0: This is Little Green Cheese, episode nine. Well, welcome back. This is Little Green Cheese. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. So, some of the things that have happened around the place uh, over the last few weeks, and I apologise for not making a podcast earlier. Um, I didn't seem to have as many questions as I normally do. Um, so, if you have any cheese making questions, don't hesitate to send them through uh, via email, Gavin at littlegreencheese.com. And uh, yeah, I haven't been making a lot of cheese, but I've been teaching. So, that's a good thing. So what are we going to talk about this episode? Well, we're going to be talking about something dear to my heart, and that is milk. We're going to be talking about how milk is not used in the cheese process, but the different types of milk. So let's start off. So one of my favourite types of milk to use is, and this can be from any animal, um, any any um, milk-producing animal, whether it be cow, goat, sheep, buffalo, um, there's some of the main ones, um, yaks, but yeah, no, no yaks around here. So one of my first favourite ones is uh, raw milk. So raw milk is basically straight from the cow. It's more common for people ha- who have their own house cow. It's illegal for farmers to sell raw milk direct to the public here in Australia. Uh, there are different laws in The states, but the main overarching one is uh, from Food Standards Australia and New Zealand, and uh, they prohibit the making of cheese for sale um, if it is made from raw milk. Uh, There's one caveat, though, of course, that if the cheese is cooked at a high enough temperature during its process, I think it has to be over 48 degrees Celsius, and then matured for I think it's over six months, but uh, over six months, and uh, that obviously increases the acidity and kills any bacteria that may be present in the raw milk. But using raw milk is really, if you're a, if you've got a a goat or a cow at home, is one of the best ways to capture the essence of the milk. Uh, In places in Europe, France, Spain, Italy, they make raw milk cheeses all the time. Um, mainly from their own uh, flocks or um, or herds. So that's raw cheese. So it hasn't been treated at all. Um, sometimes it's chilled um, down to four degrees just to preserve it a little bit longer, but then it's made into cheese straight away. Now, the um, invented by Louis Pasteur is pasteurisation. So milk uh, can be pasteurised. It actually increases its life. Uh, it doesn't sour as quickly because... What the uh, pasteurisation process is, is that it alters the, alters the balance of the natural flora within the milk. So the uh, the lactic flora that's present within the milk of the bacteria. Uh, so the milk is basically heated to around 72 degrees Celsius for 15 seconds, and that uh, destroys all the active microbial flora. Um, and as well as just about every other bacteria within the milk. So it kind of robs the milk of its true flavour. So with pasteurised milk, what we do to add the uh, the lactic flora back in again is use starters. We use a cheese starter and that makes the flavour of the cheese, sorry, that gives the cheese the flavour that, uh, that you're looking for. And there are, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, different types of starter cultures. So it brings me on to something that's probably more common in Europe, and that's called micro-filtered milk. So micro-filtered milk is basically purified milk. And uh, the process is that the cream is separated, so they skim the milk, so they keep the cream, and they pasteurise the cream, and then they pass the whey, or, yeah, the, or the skim milk liquid, Uh, And that's passed through an an extremely fine membrane, which captures captures the bacteria. Now, the reason they don't pass all all of it, including the cream, through the uh, fine membrane is because the bacteria is the same size as the fat globules uh, within the milk. So basically, it wouldn't go through at all. So that's what they do. And then they recombine it at the end. So what that does is apparently it preserves the milk's flavor. Um, it tastes the same, even though the bacteria has been removed. Um, and more about micro-filtered milk later on during uh, listener questions. So they're the main types of milk. Now, you're probably wondering why I haven't added in um, homogenization. Now, homogenization is something that it, it, it's not done to the milk per se to make it uh, to preserve its life. It's not done to to make it safe or anything like that. The reason milk is homogenized, and this is from geekwise.com, is that uh, any raw milk left to um, stand for a length of time or pasteurized milk for that uh, matter, is that the fat molecules typically float to the top. So obviously that gives you the cream line uh, that you see on bottles of milk. And the longer it sits the uh, the thicker the cream line really i I can't see the sense of uh, homogenization there's no real reason for it to be to be homogenized and basically the uh, homogenization process is that all of the milk after it's pasteurized is then passed through a uh, a filter and it's agitated at high temperatures and what happens is it breaks down the milk's um, fat molecules into smaller sizes. And basically, once they're broken down, uh, it doesn't float to the top anymore, and these molecules stay suspended in the milk and they resist the separation process. So, it, it does lengthen the milk's shelf life a little bit. Pasteurization does that much better. Um, but, like I said, there's no reason. So, during cheese making, what we actually have to do is reverse the homogenization process because not only that, it actually breaks up the soluble calcium within the milk structure so we have to add in uh, calcium chloride in a diluted form and what that does it it uh, adds more soluble calcium to the milk after it's been homogenized and the um, the rennet actually then works a lot better if you try and put um, rennet into um, homogenized milk at the same level in the the recipes that I use then you won't get a very strong curd. You won't be able to cut it properly. It'll be sloppy. It won't form properly during the heating process. So if you're going to use um, pasteurised and homogenised milk, then make sure that you add um, a weak calcium chloride solution, as suggested in most of my recipes, if you look on uh, littlegreencheese.com. So now there are different um, animals, as I mentioned, uh, goat, Sheep, a cow, buffalo, that sort of thing, and these animals have different types of milk, so they have different properties. So um, the typical um, composition of milk um, from different animals, and we're and we're more worried about the fat content of the milk, and this is what affects the cheese. Also, there is um, higher levels of calcium in, calcium in um, some milk than there are others. So um, cows typically have around. Uh, 3.9% fat within the milk. Uh, Goats have 3.5%. Sheep have a a, a pretty high uh, fat content, and that's about 6%. And water buffaloes, would you be surprised, have a fat content of 8% uh, within their milk. So basically the higher the fat content of the milk also equates Roughly to the amount of calcium that's also in the milk, um, and with the uh, the lowest being uh, goat's milk, uh, only about a hundred milligrams of calcium per hundred grams, and the highest being water buffalo, one hundred ninety five milligrams per hundred grams. And uh, as far as energy content go, obviously the more fat that's in the, um, the in the milk, the higher the energy content in kilojoules. So. Now, with cow's milk, um, that can be broken down a little bit more. You can be with uh, goat's uh, milk and sheep as well. But um, uh, typically, uh, the main milking cows throughout the world, so the Jersey cow it has a milk fat percentage of about 5.2, which is really high for a cow. Um, the Swiss brown, 4%. And the Holstein or Frisian cow, about 36 and, uh throughout Australia anyway most of the um, commercial milking cows are Frisians so the, uh, the the fat content is roughly around 3.6 you know that's pretty broad um, it depends on the time of year whether the cows um, just calved. Um, but the uh, their typical uh, fat milk sorry milk fat percentages so um, that's everything you need to know about milk and how it's processed and uh, some of the things we can do as home cheesemakers to make our milk usable um, in our own kitchens to make cheese. Well, this episode's news is quite good because, um, and it stems from Tasmania, uh, the Bruni Island Cheese Co., uh, which you might have seen if uh, you've watched The Gourmet Farmer, um, which is a show, a TV show on SBS. Uh, and, and in within that show, along with uh, uh, Matthew Evans, um, is a guy called uh, Nick Had- Haddo, uh, and he runs the uh, the Bruny Island Cheese Co. on Bruny Island, funny about that, which is uh, south of uh, of Hobart. Now, they recently won... Sorry, they've been named the 2013 Telstra Australian Business of the Year. I'll read a little bit about the article uh, and I'll put it into the show notes, the link. Uh, It's from foodmag.com.au and it says that after working with specialist cheesemakers in Europe and Australia, Nick moved to Tasmania in 2001 to make cheese at the Finnegan Dairy Company before launching Bruny Island Cheese Co. in 2003. Haddo is an advocate and producer of raw milk cheese. I'm a traditionalist who recognises that great cheese was made for centuries before modern technology played a role, and I believe passionately in the old way of making, maturing and marketing cheese, he said. For me, cheese making is a pursuit of integrity, authenticity and flavour. There is no substitute for quality. We are only as good as the last batch of cheese we made. Uh, great words from a, uh, an equally great man. Well done, Nick, on uh, winning the uh, business of the year. So we're going to move on to listener questions now. This listener question is from Tangella. Uh, and Tangella says, Just stumbled across your website. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge. I recently have started my family on a journey of healthier choices. We are growing more food organically. We are buying raw milk, pasteurised eggs, chicken and looking into pastured beef. I'm emailing to ask about cheese presses and moulds for hard cheeses. I have seen you made your own soap moulds. That is also something I want to get into, making your own soap. But for now, we buy it from friends. So I was wondering if you make your own cheese press and what you used for a mould. Would love to see a video on that process or have you done one and I just haven't seen it yet? Thanks for being a blessing, uh, Tangella. Well, thank you very much, Tangella, for your email. Um, I have not made my own cheese press, unfortunately, but there are many Um, readers of the Little Green Cheese blog who have sent in pictures to me of their homemade cheese presses and their um, homemade moulds. I have actually bought a commercial press and that came in kit form and it came with a a plastic mould, food grade plastic mould with a plastic follower. Um, But uh, a lot of the readers that did send in those photos, you can have a look so, if you go to um, littlegreencheese.com and click on the label for uh, cheese presses, uh, you'll see that there are many different types uh, of cheese presses that can be made at home. So, hopefully that's answered your question. If I ever do get around to making my own cheese press, then I will most definitely make a video, uh, and it sounds actually like a good challenge um, and uh my son and I will probably attempt to make one in our next uh, woodworking class um, seeing the young lad is homeschooled but uh, thanks again Tangela, for your question and the next listener question comes from Jean-Michel in uh, Nice in France, over to you Jean-Michel Hi, Gavin.
1: Jean-Michel speaking, I'm from the south of France and I'm trying to make cheese at home uh, partly thanks to you no, thank you. I recently was uh, on holiday uh, in Haute-Savoie and I went to a farm uh, and uh, I could uh, watch them making cheese. And they were making Tom de Savoie and they were making Tom de Savoie without any starters because they were using raw milk. And I, uh, so I had uh, the opportunity to ask them questions about that. They told me that uh, uh, starters were not necessary in raw milk because uh, there were a lot of bacteri- good bacteria in the raw milk. Uh, and we were making cheese with uh, uh, raw milk just out from the, the cow, of course, so there was no problem. Uh, in uh, here in France, uh, in, in Nice, uh, which is a city, I don't, I can't get raw milk without uh, driving 50 kilometers, which would be stupid ecologically. So I'm planning to use filtered uh, milk, which hasn't been heated at all. And I was wondering if uh, you had already uh, tried to use this kind of uh, milk uh, to make cheese, and if uh, uh, starters were mandatory uh, with this kind of milk or if I could use um, uh, filtered milk uh, without starter. So I would like to have a bit of advice uh, uh, from you uh, uh,
0: about this. Uh, Thank you very much. Bye bye. Well, no problems at all. Thanks very much, Jean-Michel, for your question. So, um, as I mentioned before, micro-filtered milk is actually heat-treated. The Cream, as I said, is pasteurised. The whey is passed through the filters to get rid of the bacteria. Now, it's those bacteria that um, your friends uh, that were making the cheese in the factory, it makes them not need to have, that's probably not the best way to say it, but not need a starter because all of the uh, microbial uh, flora is still present in the milk and uh, that will then acidify the milk and turn it into the wonderful cheese um, that the uh, Tom Savoie is. So basically, if you're going to use a micro-filtered milk, you will still need to add a starter culture that most uh, semi-hard or hard cheeses recommend. So, uh, yeah, don't skimp on the starter. Um, because uh, most of the bacteria have been killed off um, during the micro-filtration filta- process. And we have another we have another question from Jean-Michel. I'll just bring that up.
1: Uh, gave in Jean-Michel again. Um, uh, I would like to ask you another question following the the, the previous one. Um, if uh, I use uh, micro-filtered, milk instead of raw milk maybe it would uh, also um, or either eliminate the need of calcium chlorate because uh, micro filtered um, uh, milk um, may eliminate the bacteria but not the calcium because it has it uh, uh, it's not heated it's never heated when it's filtered so what do you think
0: of it? Also, thank you. Bye-bye. See you. Uh, Once again, yep, thanks Jean-Michel for a second question. Uh, You seem a bit of a star of the show. Maybe I need to interview you for the podcast. Anyway, hold that thought, mate. Yeah, so uh, because it hasn't, micro-filtered milk has not been homogenized and the fat globules within the micro-filtered milk are still intact, you will not have to add calcium chloride solution to... Your milk so that's fantastic news you don't need to add that extra ingredient so you should get a good curd structure and you should be able to cut it well and it will form a lovely cheese so try that out if you don't have any other choice um, then uh, micro filtered milk uh, will give you no problems uh, from what I have read on the net once again I haven't used micro filtered milk before because it's not available here in Australia Uh, It seems to be a European thing, from what I've read. Um, But some of the reliable sources on the net uh, around cheesemaking in Europe uh, recommend that you can use um, micro-filtered milk. No problems at all, without having to add calcium chloride. But once again, you do need to add that starter culture. Well, that's all we've got for this episode, Curd Nerds. Thanks very much for listening. Now, you can find upcoming cheese course workshop dates on littlegreencheese.com. Uh, you can just click on the tab there. You can also find all my recipes. Um, you can find all the YouTube videos and much, much more. Uh, you can also find my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese The Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making at Home. Uh, and that's available in all ebook formats. You can buy it directly from the site on PDF as well. So stay tuned for the next exciting episode of the Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin MacLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, News Theme, and Call to the Dairy Cows.